Our Holy Gospel is from the 8th chapter of Mark, beginning at verse 27. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi, and on the way he asked them, Who do people say that I am? And they replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Messiah. And Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have the mind of the things of God, but the things of men. And then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. The gospel of of our Lord. I invite you to join me now as we pray together our Holy Spirit prayer and our time of meditation together today. Let us pray. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. God who by the light of the Holy Spirit instructs the hearts of the faithful, grant it by that same Holy Spirit we may be made truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolations. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, as many of you know, I just got back from my uh, much-needed overdue vacation. I spent that week back in South Dakota, uh, back near my old stomping grounds where I grew up as a kid. And I can tell you that I suppose most of us have that similar experience when we go back to our hometown. It never quite looks the same as it did when we were growing up as a kid. Everything, from my perspective, everything looks smaller. And this main street doesn't seem to have that impressive look that it had back in the day when I was there because America is changing. America no longer has main street like it used to. As a matter of fact, when I think about the town that I grew up in, the main business district now is actually moved virtually to the north side of town where you have your grocery store and your convenience stores and, and all of those significant businesses now are on the main highway strip rather than downtown. It's completely changed the way the town looks. South Dakota, Webster, South Dakota, also has the largest boat dealer in the entire state of South Dakota. There are more boats sold in Webster, South Dakota than any other town, even including Sioux Falls or any of the big cities of South Dakota. Webster, South Dakota is where more boats are sold than any place else. Just a little tidbit of information that really means nothing in the overall scheme of things for our lives, but just a, an interesting little note. All the school buildings that I was a part of and attended when I was a kid, they're all gone. They've been leveled. And all new school buildings have been built, and I have never set foot in any of those schools. The one thing that I did find interesting, though, is that the two buildings that had hardly changed at all 
were the two Lutheran churches. I attended church last Sunday at St. John's Lutheran Church. And when I walked in, it looked the same as it did 55 years ago. Very little, if anything, had changed in the inside of that church in over 50 years. Now, I, did, I think they did actually have cushions. They had cushions on every other pew. And that was about the only thing that I could see had changed. Oh, the other thing that had changed is they now have overhead television screens like us, but they're not using them yet. They haven't quite got that far. Oh, and they do have an elevator in the narthex area now so that they can actually get access to the basement and to the balcony of the church. And you know, the other thing that I found interesting is that everything, literally everything, and I mean everything about the worship service was completely familiar to me. Do you know that St. John's Lutheran Church in Webster, South Dakota uses the same exact liturgy that, you, that we use here at Mount Olive? It was all the same. And as I sat there and as I experienced that, I thought to myself, there's a question here, but I'm not quite sure how to ask the question. You know, I, I, I think we as the church, as a Lutheran church, we have tried to continue to remain relevant in this ever-changing world, and it's, it's, it hasn't been for a lack of trying. And yet, as I sat there and experienced that worship service, and I thought, we're still doing the same liturgy that we've been doing for the past 40 years. Are we being relevant to our current time? And the space that we're in right now in the 21st century. It, it's, it's, it's a question. I'm not saying there's even answers to it, but it did make me wonder a little bit about are we as a church being relevant in the 21st century? Or are we still stuck back in the past somewhere 50, 60, 70 years ago? Well, as I spent time with my friends... I suppose I should change their names to protect the innocent, but I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to use their real names. I, I stayed with my good friends, Doug and Cindy. And one of, the pre, one of the things that I appreciated most about our time together in our week is that we had some very significant, meaningful conversations. And I don't know if you find this to be true for you, but it's true for me, at least with the people that are very close to me, is that those good friends that I've had for a long time, is that you just kind of start over where you left off. And it's as if there's no break at all in that relationship, even though it's been perhaps weeks, months, maybe even a year since you've actually had a conversation or been in the presence of that person. But it's like you start over and you just, it's as if you started over where you left off and there's, there's no break at all. And much of our conversations, I think, involved actually asking a lot of questions. I think Cindy and Doug and I were at that point in our lives where we're thinking about where do we go from here? Uh, what's life gonna look like for us in retirement? What are we gonna do in retirement? Um, you know, all of those types of questions, you know, where are our children at? Where are we going to be with our grandchildren? And, 
And a lot of those questions were unresolved questions. We didn't really have the answers to any of them. But the reality is, is that we felt comfortable enough to actually have those conversations and even leave those questions unanswered or unresolved. But what was most meaningful for me was just that opportunity to have those deep, heartfelt, and challenging conversations with trusted, lifelong friends. And in many respects, we lived, we lived into the questions. And there are questions that we are still living into at this very moment. I like that whole idea of living into the questions. I think that's something worth us considering. One of the questions that I asked them was, as, as, as a pastor of a church, and after having gone to church on Sunday there at St. John's Lutheran Church, we were sitting around on Sunday afternoon, and I asked them, I said, what do you want to hear, or what is it that... What is it that you, what is your one expectation that you have on any given Sunday? And actually their, their answer didn't surprise me in the least. I, it was almost as if I knew exactly what they were going to say. And this is what they said. They said that they wanted to hear something that inspired, something that motivated them, even something that actually would challenge them to think or to feel or to act differently about their life and their faith journey. The other thing that I thought was, didn't necessarily surprise me either is that they said they wanted to hear inspiring music. Thank you, Bryant. Thank you, choir, for inspiring music today. One of the things that they have the opportunity to do because they only live seven miles from the local Lutheran Bible camp is that during the summer, the Bible camp has Sunday morning worships. And Doug and Cindy go and worship at the Bible camp uh, all summer long because they want to experience that energy and that enthusiasm and the inspiration of those young voices singing all of those different songs that they sing at camp. Living into the questions. Jesus asks his disciples two different questions today in our passage. The first question that he asked doesn't require any thought at all, because he basically asked them, what's the word on the street about me? What do people say on the street? Who do they say that I am? And without any hesitation, the disciples immediately respond, spouting off all kinds of responses. John the Baptist, Elijah, some say you are one of the prophets. In many respects, all Jesus was asking them to do was to simply parrot back what the word on the street was and has been. Kind of reminds me of how, at least I'm speaking for myself, it kind of reminds me of how I was taught much of my life, especially in my early years in education. I know that I felt this way most of the time when it came to learning about things in my youth. It was kind of like reciting history, memorizing, and learning tradition and the one thing I think that we can say about that type of a question is that there's nothing that's very life-giving in that question. I mean, basically, the things that we do when we memorize things or we recite back things that have been told to us, there's nothing really life-giving or anything that's inspiring or motivating in that question. But this, this second more important question that Jesus asked today 
that I think is the one that runs deep. Jesus invites his disciples to live into a question. And that question is, but who do you say that I am? That is a more reflective, life-giving, intimate question. Because it requires them to take some time to actually think and to reflect back on their life experiences that they've had thus far in their journey together. What is it about your relationship? I think what Jesus was really asking them is that what is it about our relationship that we've had together thus far that has changed their lives in such a way that they were beginning to see the reality of the kingdom of God coming near to them in and through the life experiences that they were having with Jesus. I really do believe that that's what he was truly asking them. And that is not one of those questions that's easy to answer because it does require us to actually take the time to think and to reflect about that relationship that we have with Jesus. This question that Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? It's a question that I think Jesus is inviting us also to consider and to reflect upon today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day as long as we shall live. The question I wonder about is, are we going to be satisfied with the creedal answers that our church has already come up with? Are we satisfied with our faith journey as it is right now by simply planting ourselves within the historical and traditional answers that the church has already provided for us throughout history. Every Sunday, we recite the Apostles' Creed. Most of us can say it from memorization. Does it mean anything? Does it inspire you? Does it motivate you? Does it give you life when you say that? The question for me is, are we willing to live into the question to keep on journeying with Jesus? There's no doubt about it that the creedal answers are important. They're foundational and they give us a sense of being grounded. And there is no doubt we have theological perspectives that we will not let go of. We are saved by grace through faith and Jesus has gone to the cross once and for all to save us. Those are principal, theological principles that we will not relent because they are fundamental to who we are as Lutheran Christians. But I think that Jesus is continually inviting us to go deep, to live into that core fundamental question, who do you say that I am? Because continually asking that question also reveals who you and I have decided to be. Three years ago, when I preached on this passage, I quoted Dr. Carolyn White. She's a preaching professor at Luther Seminary in Minneapolis in St. Paul. And this is what she said or what she wrote. She says, if we, are on, if we only had to provide an answer to Jesus' question of, of his identity, that would be one thing. However, answering the question of Jesus' identity also is also having to give voice to our own identity. Who you say Jesus is, who we say Jesus is, is who we and who you have decided to be. I think that's a thought worth giving serious consideration to. Who we say Jesus is, is who you have decided to be. She says, you can't answer Jesus' inquiry without revealing who you are. I think the other thing that's important to note in this passage today is that Jesus asks 
this question within the context of a community. He asks it within the community of his disciples who have actually journeyed with him now for several months, perhaps maybe a year or two. And in many respects, it is not an individual question, but it is a communal question. And I think it's a communal question for us as well as a congregation. Who do we as Mount Olive Lutheran Church say Jesus is? And that also says something about who we, as Mount Olive Lutheran Church, who we have decided to be. And it also reveals something about who we are going to be in the midst of this community here in Lake Havasu City. And I'd like to suggest that we, might, that we, could, we should be bold enough to keep on living into that question. And I certainly hope that we will as a faith community, that we will continue to keep on living into that question and may it continue to inspire and to mold us as a faith community. I think this question, who do you say that I am, it is a lifelong question for all of us. And it's worthy of asking every day of our lives. And I hope that all of us have the faith and the courage to keep on asking this question for the rest of our lives. It's the kind of question, I believe, that's life-giving. It's the kind of question that we can keep on living into. As I think back on my relationship with Doug and Cindy, one of the things that we talked about this past week is that there's a, there's a book out there. I, don't, I, don't, I haven't read the book. Doug and Cindy have read the book, and I'm, I'm, think, I'm thinking about purchasing it. It's a book, I think it's entitled, uh, or at least the subtitle is, Who You Are is Where You Were When. I don't know how many of you have ever heard of that book. But I think one of the things that makes sense to me as we think about who you are is where you were when, is that one of the reasons why my relationship with Doug and Cindy is special to this very day is because we were together many, many years ago, and together we were asking that question that Jesus is asking us today. Who do you say that I am? And it was during those very young, formative years that Doug and Cindy and I were together that we were beginning to ask those questions. And that relationship and that connectedness that we had way back when we were late teens, early 20s, that connection that we had back then has something to do with who we are now and how we continue to relate to each other now in our relationship to one another. Does that make sense? Just thought I'd throw that out there. And that's one of the reasons why this past week was such a important and uh, meaningful week for me to spend with them. And so with that, let's keep on living and asking ourselves the question, who do you say that I am? That Jesus might be life-giving for you today and every day of your life. Amen. Please join me in the prayer now. The Lord has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.